0: Well, good morning, uh, if we have not yet met, my name is Becca Fairley, uh, I've been a member of Holy Trinity now for about 11 years, many years ago, I used to be on the staff team here, so occasionally I get to come back and preach, which is such an honour, and usually quite a lot of fun too. Um, today we are going to be looking at this topic of spirit-led prayer, uh, and so it seems sensible to pray as we start, so why don't you join me as we pray. So we pray, come Holy Spirit, would you take my words, would you fill them with your life? Would you give us ears to hear what it is you want to say to us and the courage to walk in your truth? In Jesus' name, amen. So over the past few weeks in our Sunday sermon series, we have been looking at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And we've been looking specifically at some of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us within the church to bless each other and then in turn to bless the wider world. And today we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit, the helper, helps us as we pray. And that's what we mean by spirit-led prayer. We mean prayer simply that is led and guided by the Holy Spirit. And for those of you who like structure... Uh, We're going to look at three things about Spirit-led prayer today. Firstly, we're going to explore that the Spirit prays for us. Then we're going to look at how the Spirit offers us the gift of speaking in tongues to help us as we pray. And finally, we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit helps us as we pray for the wider world. So that's where we're going this morning. So first of all, the Holy Spirit prays for us. Take a look with me if you've still got your Bibles open. At verse 26, Paul writes this, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with, through wordless groans. This needs to be our starting point when thinking about prayer. First and foremost, we are being prayed for we are being prayed for by the Holy Spirit. And not just sporadically or with minimal thought or with a sort of lack of investment. No, the Holy Spirit groans for us. That word is the same word that is used of when we groan, when something's weighing us down. The Holy Spirit cares for us deeply. He is praying for us. And knowing this can, I think, Um, help relieve us of a lot of pressure uh, when we pray do you struggle with regular prayer I know I do that's okay says Paul The spirit helps us in our weakness and intercedes for us do you uh, struggle to know what to pray what words to pray how to pray into certain situations that's okay the spirit is praying for us the pressure is off Perhaps you're in a place right now or a season in your life where you're struggling to offer anything other than deep, guttural groans to the Lord or cries or maybe all you can do is just kind of sit numbly in silence. That is okay. The Holy Spirit takes our anguish-filled emotions, the things that make us groan, and he offers them to the Father in prayer. He turns them into something beautiful. I love the message translation of these verses. I sometimes think it helps to hear the Bible in a different translation to stop with our familiarity, so I'm just gonna read them to us now. God's Spirit, this is verse 26, is right alongside us, helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayers out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. And there will be seasons in life where we feel deeply connected to God and prayer just kind of flows, and that's amazing. But there will be other times, and I think many of us perhaps can recognize this at the minute, where we will just be exhausted and we will struggle to pray. In every season, no matter what changes, The Holy Spirit remains constant. He is continually praying for us. We can rest secure in the knowledge that no matter what is happening in our lives, we are being prayed for. So that's the starting point. The Holy Spirit prays for us. Second point, the Holy Spirit gives the gift of tongues uh, to help us as we pray. Now, full disclosure here, uh, this particular aspect of the Holy Spirit's help in prayer is not explicitly found in this passage. If you're reading it and thinking, well, where is this? It's not explicitly there. However, as a church, we believe that the gift of praying in tongues is an incredibly useful gift, as we're going to see, in this area of prayer. So I'm going to offer us a kind of whistle-stop overview of what the gift of speaking in tongues is. You ready? Someone said yes. Uh, Praying in tongues, we learn, is a spiritual gift given to the church by the Holy Spirit. Uh, It was first revealed in Acts chapter 2 when the disciples, if you remember, they were praying together. The Holy Spirit came on them in tongues that looked like fire. And in verse 4 of Acts chapter 2, we read, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, in this instance, the tongues that they were given were other human languages. We know this because there were Jews there from all over the Roman Empire, and when they heard the disciples praying in tongues, they could understand what was being said. So the disciples were given languages from all over the Roman Empire. Later in the early church, Paul talks about speaking in tongues as also being a heavenly language. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that's a great passage if you're curious about this, start there. He writes, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Now, note here that when we're speaking in tongues, what are we doing? We're speaking to God. In other words, we're praying. That's what speaking in tongues is about. It's about praying. Sometimes God will give... um, a tongue for the blessing of the whole church. On those occasions, someone will speak in a tongue and they'll be given an interpretation just so that the rest of the church can understand what is being prayed for in that situation. But on other non-public occasions, maybe in our own prayer time with the Lord or when we're praying one-on-one with someone, um, we won't necessarily know what we're praying. Paul, writing again, says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what will I do? I will pray in my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. Different times, different occasions for the use of spiritual tongue, uh, speaking in tongues. Now, do we believe that every Christian needs to have the gift of speaking in tongues? No, absolutely not. Speaking in tongues is not some sort of spiritual marker uh, of how good a Christian you are. However, I think we would say that speaking in tongues is an incredibly useful gift in this area of prayer. Why? Two reasons. Firstly, we're limited in our speech. Sometimes we just don't have the words to say what it is that we want to say to the Father. And we're limited in our knowledge. Uh, Sometimes we simply don't know how to pray for a specific situation. But the Holy Spirit does. By praying in tongues, therefore, we are joining in with the Spirit's words and with the Spirit's wisdom. And we're offering our prayers together with him to the Father. Now, I am aware (laughs) that this is a subject where there are lots of different viewpoints. And we're all on different parts of our journey. Just to use the language of my children's school. We're all on our own journey in this area. That's fine. Some of you will have heard the term speaking in tongues and you would have tensed up immediately and you will be anxiously waiting for this sermon to finish. Um, Others of you will be frustrated because you're desperate for the gift of tongues and it hasn't yet happened. And others of you will be like, I am on board, I am ready, let's do this now, Becca. Um, Facing that array of different positions is super fun for a preacher. Um, So I thought what I'd do is I'd like to share a little of my own journey uh, in this area of speaking in tongues, mostly because in this sermon series, I have loved hearing our vicar Stuart's uh, stories about his experiences in the different spiritual gifts, and kind of when in doubt, follow your vicar and Jesus, not necessarily in that order. So that's what I'm going to do uh, today. So I grew up in a cessationist church. Uh, Which means that uh, the church that I grew up in taught that the sign gifts, speaking in tongues, uh, healing, prophecy, were only given by the Holy Spirit to the early church. When we received the full body of scripture, uh, they thought we don't need these gifts anymore. And so the Holy Spirit just stopped giving them to the church. That was my background, and so uh, as an 18-year-old, I arrived here at Cambridge to study theology deeply secure in my theological beliefs, as only an 18-year-old undergraduate can be. Uh, And very early on in the first term, I was having dinner with some members uh, of our Christian union in our college, and I sort of casually, and yet with a certain arrogance, said, well, everyone knows that speaking in tongues is not for today, like no one gets the gift of speaking in tongues. And One by one, just so happened on that particular occasion, that every single person round the table just said quite calmly, well, I do, at which point my mission became very, very clear. The Lord had clearly sent me to that college to kind of not convert these people, I did believe they were Christians, but really just show them the error of their ways. Now. It probably won't surprise you, as I'm doing a sermon on speaking in tongues, to learn that I was not particularly successful uh, in that endeavor. Um, I spent the next four years um, doing a lot of talking, as you do when you're an undergrad, but really, really debating this subject. I read the Bible a lot. I listened to sermons, huge amounts of study. And at the end of that kind of period of time, I reached the frankly inconvenient conclusion, actually, if I'm being honest, that um, I, was, I was wrong. That actually, I think God did give sign and does give sign gifts to the church today. And not only that, I reached the point where I could see how useful the gift of speaking in tongues was. And I wanted it. It was a huge leap on that particular journey for me. So that's where I was. Now, at that time, I'd finished my undergraduate degree. I was training to be a teacher and on, I was on placement and my placement was an hour away. And so I had an hour each day in my car by myself, and I thought, possibly not that wisely, this would be the perfect time to ask for the gift of tongues. Not sure that driving at 60 miles an hour on your own on a country road is the perfect time to receive the gift of tongues, but this is what I decided to do. Uh, So I set off one morning, I didn't put on the radio, got myself into a sort of holy place, and I said, okay, Lord, I am ready receive the gift of tongues now I didn't close my eyes I'm not that stupid but I did sort of hold firmly with one hand on the steering wheel and with the other I sort of balanced it you know I was willing to receive willing to receive the gift of tongues whilst driving along the road and I waited and um (laughs) absolutely nothing happened probably not a surprise Um, and I have to say I was a little bit irritated a little bit irritated by that I was like Lord This has been an emotional journey for me. I finally got to this point. I've changed my viewpoint. I am ready for you to bless me. I am expectant. And you are not. I was a little bit miffed by that. So that's where that was. Nothing nothing happened. Didn't receive the gift of tongues. Uh, A few months later... It was Easter, went up to visit my aunt and uncle who attended uh, a large charismatic church. They were the sort of black sheep of the family. Um, And uh, I went with them to a church service. Very great service. At the end of the service, nothing to do with speaking in tongues, incidentally, the pastor stood up as the worship band were playing, and he said, "I I just feel that there might be one or two people here who might really want to receive the gift of tongues. If that's you come down to the front and we'll pray for you. Now, this made me deeply uncomfortable for two reasons. Firstly, hate going to the front of church. Very large church, didn't know anyone. Very awkward. Uh, and secondly, I had be, it had been drilled into me that it was Easter lunch and we were on a tight timetable. The lamb needed to come out of the oven and so we had to leave quickly at the end of the service. And I was sort of panicking, thinking, well, I can't go up to receive the gift of tongues because, well, there's lamb. Um, however... The pressure mountain, I just thought, no, I think this is God. I think I need to do this. So I sort of scooched past my two brothers, who were looking, frankly, alarmed that I was stepping forward. And my uh, aunt and uncle, who were sort of grinning like Cheshire cats with sort of knowing smiles, walked up to the front of church, Uh, the the worship band were playing, and I stood there, and uh, and no one came to me. Awful. All worshipping, and I was just like this. So then you try and sort of act kind of casual, just hanging out at the front of church. Anyway, eventually um, I caught the eye of a a little elderly couple on the front row. They were little actually, they were very, very short. And um, the, the man mouthed to me, would you like prayer? And I resisted the urge to be sarcastic at that moment. No, I'm just standing here for fun. And instead I went, yes, thank you very much. So they both came over to me, little man on this side, little lady on this side, uh, and, and I said, look, I'd really like to receive the gift of tongues. They said, okay. And they, they sort of put an arm on either side and they started praying for me. Um, after about five minutes, I, with a sinking realization, realized two things. One, it, it wasn't happening again. Uh, and two, these people were really committed to me receiving the gift of tongues. I.e., they weren't going to be letting me go until I got this. And I could just feel the service was ending. I was thinking about the lamb. I was thinking... Volker grief. And in that moment, (laughs) I I vividly remember it. I was like, I'm going to have to fake the gift of tongues. This is the only way I'm getting out of this. Um, So I prayed, Lord, for what I'm about to do. I'm so sorry. Um, And I was just opening my mouth to, to fake it. And, uh, and I, the worship band started to play really loudly, as only the worship band can. It was fine, but they were really loud. I was sort of zoned out to hear that. And then when I sort of zoned back in, I, I could hear the little old man praying for me in tongues on this side. I could hear the little old lady on this side praying for me in tongues. And suddenly, I could hear a third voice praying in tongues. I took a moment, and then I realized it was me. I wasn't faking it. It was, am- it was amazing. And they were, like, grinning, and it was, just, it was wonderful, and we were in time for the Lamb, so, you know, that was all good. Um, And just to finish that story, actually, I later found out uh, through my uncle that um, that particular little old couple themselves came from a cessationist background. And to me, it still gets me emotional, actually. It just felt like God was saying, I see you, Becca. It's all right. I know who you are. I know what you're about. And I've got this. Um, And on a personal note, um, I have just found praying in tongues so incredibly useful, uh, both when I'm praying for people, uh, but also uh, praying in my own private prayer time, praying for the wider world, as we're gonna talk about in a minute. Final couple of things to say before we move on. Um, I once had someone say to me very firmly, well, (laughs) Becca, I've prayed that God would not give me the gift of speaking in tongues. I find it weird and I don't want it. And I felt like saying I didn't, but I felt like saying, look, I've got some good news. I've got some bad news for you. The good news is I'm fairly sure God will answer that prayer. The bad news is I'm fairly sure God will answer that prayer. You see, the Holy Spirit is described as a helper. He's described as our comforter, our guide, our teacher, but he is never, ever, ever described as a dictator. In other words, God will not force this on you. He's never gonna kind of possess you in that sense. The gift of tongues is precisely that, it's a gift. It's a gift, like the gift of administration or helping or serving. It's a gift we can say kind of yes or no to in this instance, and we have control over. I could start praying in tongues right now, but I could also stop praying in tongues right now. I have control. God's a God of order, not disorder. The Holy Spirit works with me to pray, he helps me. And a final thing to say is you can trust God. He's our good Father who gives good gifts. And and tongues is no exception to that. Um, If you're curious, you'll want to learn more, um, I'd really recommend this book, actually, Everyday Supernatural. I think Stuart might have recommended it in a previous uh, sermon. I borrowed it and have read it, and it's brilliant and really quite funny, which is probably why I like it. Um, Andy and Mike, who are both pastors of a church called Soul Survivor, both write about how they receive the gift of tongues in this book, and as you would expect, it's also very funny. Um, and I just, it's just sort of gentle and well done. I thoroughly recommend it if you're curious and want to explore more. Anyway, Andy writes in this book, never forget that the gift of tongues isn't a thing we do. It's a conversation with a person. It's a form of prayer. It's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. So we've seen that the Holy Spirit prays for us and we've seen that one of the ways the Holy Spirit helps us in prayer is by giving us the gift of tongues. The final point I'd like to think about is this, the Holy Spirit helps us pray for the world. It's very easy, I think, to think about prayer, particularly using verses 26 and 27 of this passage, and take quite an individualistic approach to prayer. You know, the Spirit's helping me when I don't know what to pray about my life situation. And let's be clear, as we said in point one, that is true. The Holy Spirit is interceding for us. But I asked our reading to start at verse 22 because I want us to be reminded that Spirit-led prayer is also about praying for the wider world, a world that is groaning. This is a passage about suffering. Paul writes that creation is groaning, why? Because things are not how they should be. There is disasters, there are disasters, there is disease, there is death in our world, there is suffering. But, continues Paul, this suffering that we all experience, creation and all of us living within creation, we all experience it, won't last. This suffering won't last. Paul uses the image of a woman in labor to explain that whilst the pain we all experience is real, never try telling a woman in labor that it's not real pain, it's all in her head, top tip. The pain is real, but it's time limited. The pain's real, but it's time limited. There will come a day, writes Paul, when one day God will redeem this world and make things how they were always meant to be. So there is hope. But what happens in the meantime? What happens when we know the hope's coming, but it's not here yet? We know there's going to be healing and redemption, but at the minute we suffer, we groan. What do we do in that meantime? Well, we pray. We pray for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, as Jesus taught us. Sometimes we'll feel too weak to carry this burden of praying for the world. But, says Paul, the Spirit himself helps us in our weakness. Sometimes the pain of the world will seem too much and too overwhelming and too complicated and we won't have the words to know what to pray for. But we can keep going, writes Paul, because the Spirit himself is interceding for us as we intercede for the world. One theologian wrote this, the church is not to be apart from the pain of the world. It's not to be separate. We're not to bury our heads in the sand about pain, but it is to be in prayer at precisely the place where the world is in pain. That is part of our calling. That's what we're called to do as a church. And this is difficult work. Bringing the pain of the world before the Lord means we need to engage with the pain. In other words, we need to know what's happening. We can't bury our heads in the sand. We need to read and research and talk to people and ask them about their lives. But it's not work that we do alone. We have the Holy Spirit, the helper who prays for us, who offers us the gift of tongues to help us as we pray, and who intercedes for us as we in turn intercede for the world. Another theologian wrote this, and we're going to finish with this. We are not asked To bring the world's pain to God with a knowledge of what needs to be done. We don't need to have answers when we pray about this to the Lord. We're not asked to bring the world's pain to God with a clear sense of how to pray. We are not asked to bring the world's pain to God without protest and anger. We can feel deeply about this. The Lord does. We are not asked to bring the world's pain before God with equanimity and acceptance. We are just asked to bring it before God. So that's what we're going to do now, nod to band, that's your moment. Um, We're going to bring the world before the Lord. I thought it would be awful if we finished this sermon without actually praying. So why don't we all stand together? What I've done is put together one fairly basic, and I apologize in advance, slideshow just with some images of the world, stuff that I've been thinking about. Feel free to completely ignore it and do your own thing, that's fine. And the band is going to play one song. That's the length for those of you who like to know how long this is going to last. It's one song. We're going to pray together as a church. You can pray in silence. If you speak in tongues, feel free to speak out in tongues. If you'd like to kneel, that's absolutely fine. Uh, And so why don't I pray for us as we start, and then we'll all pray together. And then after that, we're going to have communion together. So let's pray. Again, we pray, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, Would you help us now as we pray for the world? Give us words, give us wisdom. We just wait on you, and now we bring our prayers to you. In the name of Jesus, amen.